It's the Tuesday trade block. Let's go get pitcher Pablo Lopez from the Marlins. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And this is week two of our new segment, the Tuesday Trade Block, where we go out and we ask fans about their packages to go out and trade for spe- specific players. Last week, you can go back and find that show from last Tuesday, we looked at trying to get catcher Sean Murphy from the A's over to the Tampa Bay Rays. As you heard in yesterday's mailbag, somebody from the Cardinals wanted Sean Murphy for themselves, so we went through that in yesterday's mailbag. So we're taking a little bit different tack today. Pablo Lopez of the Marlins is considered to be available. The Marlins have a lot of pitching, not as much as in the past. Max Myers having Tommy John, uh, Sixo Sanchez have had shoulder issues, but for the most part, you've got quite a few pitchers not named Sandy Alcantara that could move from this team. You could sell high on Jesus Lazardo or Edward Cabrera. You could sell low on Trevor Rogers or Lezer Hernandez. But Pablo Lopez was linked to multiple teams at the trade deadline. The Marlins ultimately did not pull the trigger, but it's widely believed he is available. So let's talk about it. Uh, 2022 was, I believe, his fourth straight year of having an ERA uh, below four. So, uh, 10-10 record, 3.75 ERA. He started 32 games, 180 innings pitched, which I don't have to tell you, not a ton of guys start that many games. So, it's if nothing else, having a reliable guy you can throw every fifth day for the entire season is valuable for contenders, just to know that you have innings being eaten in a competent manner. But, 180 innings... 174 strikeouts to 53 walks. 21 home runs allowed by Pablo Lopez. Uh, It was his age 26 year. It's his fifth year in the bigs. He's got four years of service time. So he was playing under a $2.45 million contract from his first year of arbitration. Um, He'll be 27 in 2023. He'll be an ARB2 guy. The projection is somewhere around $6.3 million. It's probably what he'll get in year two of arbitration. Year three is 2024, and he's an unrestricted free agent in 2025 at age 29. Now, his his year statistically was better in 2022 than his career numbers. His career numbers, he's 28 and 31 with a 394 ERA, so about 20 points higher. Uh, 94 games started in 510 total innings in his career. He's never come out of the bullpen. He's started 94 games. He's appeared in 94 games. 489 strikeouts in 510 games to 142 walks with 59 home runs allowed. And when you're looking at Pablo Lopez as the pitcher, the thing that you're looking at is he's a heavy fastball changeup guy. Uh, he throws the fastball 39% of the time. He throws the changeup 35% of the time. Uh, relatively, like relative to the rest of the league, the fastball is a little bit slower than average at 94. Both velocity and spin, it's below average. Not by much, but it's below average. The changeup 
is harder than average. It comes out to 88. There's only about six miles an hour difference between the changeup and the fastball. So ideally, you'd want that to be a little closer to 10. So a little bit of tweaks you can make here. And then he throws a cutter about 9.5% of the time. Uh, it's about 89 miles an hour. There's a thought process that says maybe he shouldn't throw that. Uh, batters had a 696 slugging against the cutter this year. So maybe you don't have to throw the cutter as much as you do. Curveball about 8% of the time. And then the sinker. He threw the sinker this year about 8% of the time. And it's about 93 miles an hour. And I think this is a strategic mistake. He threw the sinker a lot more in 2020. I want to say he threw the sinker like 22% of the time. Coincidentally, 2020 statistically was the best year of his career. He had the lowest barrel rate he's ever allowed at about 4.3%. Typically in his career, he's been around 7% and change. This year, he was at 9% barrel uh, barrel rate. And so, so I think, I don't know why he got away from the sinker. It dramatically ticked up in 2020. He had thrown it, uh, before 2020, he had thrown it about 16% of the time. He threw it 22% in 2020. And then, like I said, all the way down to about 8% this year. It steadily declined for two years. Once he added in the cutter, uh, the, the the cutter took over a lot of the sinker's usage. But hitters don't do very well off of his sinker, and I really think he needs to throw it more. So there's a, there's a thing there as far as uh, an easy tweak that an analytically inclined team could make to maybe unlock even better performance out of Pablo Lopez rather quickly. Uh, to me, I'm... St- I'm scrapping the cutter and I'm throwing the sinker though that nine and a half percent of the time, get the sinker back up 15, 20%. Uh, watch the slugging come down, be a little more effective. And that, that 2020 season, like I said, his best year, 361 ERA, 57 and a third innings, 59 strikeouts to 18 walks. It was the only season of his career. Well, correction, 2021 as well. 2020 and 2021, when he was using the sinker more, he struck out more than um, than than nine guys per nine innings. So I think he needs to go back to the sinker. I think he needs to back off a bit on the cutter. But when you look at this Marlins team and what they need, and the reason they're willing to ship out Pablo Lopez is a few things. One, they need power production. Uh, the The team slugging came out to 363 from your starters. Team slugging at 363 is not great. Uh, Jazz Chisholm was your your leader among guys who qualified. He played 60 games before the back injury ended his year. But the Drip King, 254, 325, 535. 14 home runs in those 60 games. Uh, looked absolutely dynamic. I was excited to see. I thought that uh, Jazz Chisholm had 20-20 or 25-25 potential this year. He had, was it 12 stolen bases to go along with the 14 home runs in the 60 games? before the back injury ended his year. But specifically, so they need power. They need lefty production. um, And then they need catching help. So when you look at the power, again, slugging was bad. But their sources of power, the guys they were counting on, Jorge Soler in left field and DH, and then Avisel Garcia in right field, 
Neither one of them did great. Garcia got 98 games. He hit eight home runs. Solaire had a lot of back issues. He got 72 games, hit 13 home runs. Neither one of them had a slugging over 400. And so that you definitely need power from there. And then catcher is a particular area of need. So they traded a couple prospects for Jacob Stallings. And, you know, that was, I, I want to say that was two top 30 prospects. Uh, Kyle Nicholas, the pitcher, was number 16 overall. This is last December. Uh, Connor Scott, the outfielder, was, I think, number 23. And then they threw in right-hand pitcher Zach Thompson. And Jacob Stalling provided leadership. Yeah, he was, a, he, he was a leader, but offensively, he wasn't very good. 114 games, batted 223, 292, 292 was the slash line. So 584 OPS, which I know catchers don't have great offense most of the time, but even for a catcher, that was not very good. Um, hit four home runs in 114 games. Uh, his, his backup, Nick Fortes, did a little better, played in 72 games, had nine home runs, batted 230, 304, 392. But still, um, you know, batting average of 230 is okay for a catcher. On base of 300, slugging under 400 is not necessarily what you're looking for. So a couple different directions we can go here. In just a minute, I want to get to the packages that people have sent in to try to get Pablo Lopez on their team. But first... Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. You can get the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and in-depth analysis on every game. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports waging information. Live betting, up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Obviously, we now have a World Series matchup. I don't know why they won't give the MLB folks uh, ad copy that leads with that. But preliminary lines that we got as of Sunday night for Bet Online had the Astros favored uh, minus 190 to beat the Phillies. The Phillies were plus 165. Uh, so you can go out and you can follow that and see how that line moves between now and Friday when the, when the World Series starts. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on the World Series, but MMA, boxing, golf, all kinds of sports. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, so if we're looking at trade packages for Pablo Lopez, friend of the show Bryce Patrick, host of Locked on Rangers, wants Pablo Lopez to be a Ranger. So here's the package that he sent me for this trade. He said uh, for a four-prospect package. Uh, number six prospect, Luis Angel Acuna, the shortstop. Uh, number nine prospect, infielder Justin Foscue. Number 10 prospect, First baseman and outfielder, Dustin Harris. And then non-ranked shortstop prospect, Thomas Segesi. So let's take these one at a time. Luis Angel Acuna, uh, yes, is the younger brother of Ronald Acuna. Uh, He was a a 2018 IFA. He's 20 years old right now. He got 91 games between high A and double A this year. The combined slash line here. 277, 369, 426. 11 home runs, 29 extra base hits, 96 strikeouts to 51 walks, 40 of 49 on stolen bases. So walked just over once a game, but I'm sorry, struck out just over once a game, walked half the amount of times that he struck out, 
And the thing here, great defender. He has a plus arm. He looks fantastic in the infield. It's something where Rojas has been a veteran for a while in Miami. He's a free agent after 2023. He was an excellent defender this year, despite having a wrist injury for a couple months. Uh, he was made. He the, supposedly he was made available to the Yankees when they tried to make a deal for Pablo Lopez midseason, uh, and we know that the Yankees ended up sticking with with Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Uh, they called up Oswald Peraza late in the year, and you saw in the in the ALCS against the Astros, they kept giving him starts and then swapping out for Cabrera or Peraza and things like that. So the Yankees looked at the concept of going out and getting a new shortstop, and this would give you the ability to let Rojas play for one more year and then probably have a bridge or an interim, maybe re-sign him to a one-year deal until you can get Acuna ready. Remember, he just hit double A last year. Uh, Offensively, very aggressive hitter, uh, has a quick swing. The power is getting better. So I think that he's, I don't think he's going to end up quite where his brother is, but he definitely has more power than what he sh- he's shown so far with 11 home runs and 91 games. Uh, definitely has more power than Miguel Rojas. 140 games at shortstop, 236, 283, 323 with six home runs. Uh, just not a great offense for Miami, and part of the reason was obviously a lack of power. Jazz Chisholm played 60 games, and he led the team in home runs until the very end of the season when he had 14 until Jesus Aguilar hit a 15th home run late in the year. So you need the power. Luis Angel Acuna looks like he could give you some power from the shortstop position and maybe not necessarily be an uh, one of the top 10 players in baseball, like Ronald Acuna is considered to be, but can be absolutely an above average guy and at best can contend for all-star games. The number nine prospect was the next guy in the package, infielder Justin Foscue. So he's 23 years old, 2020 first rounder out of Mississippi State. Uh, played a lot of shortstop, uh, lost some time because of uh, injuries to the midsection. I think he'd probably be better at second versus shortstop. I don't think he's, he's not particularly rangy. He doesn't have, he's a below average runner and have great speed. And the arm strength's a little questionable. You're really taking him because of the power potential. Um, 101 games in AA this year. 288, 367, 482. 15 home runs, 47 extra base hits, 66 strikeouts to 45 walks in 101 games. So doesn't strike out a ton. Walks a good bit for how much he strikes out. And has decent power, judging, judging by the 47 extra base hits, especially considering that he's got a little bit below average speed. Um, again, def- you know, like he's a little bit streaky at times, but again, defensively, uh, he's probably going to have to move to second base. And the issue you have with anybody who has to move uh, to second base in Texas is you've got both a shortstop and a second baseman signed on long-term deals between uh, Seeger and Simeon. So a good candidate to get moved if it can get you somebody that you need, like a quality starting pitcher. Uh, Number 10 prospect in the system, first baseman and outfielder Dustin Harris. So 22 years old as well. 2019 11th rounder out of junior college by the Athletics. He was moved in the Mike Minor deal in 2020, late 2020. 
And so 85 games in double-A this year. 257, 346, 471. 17 home runs, 35 extra base hits, 74 strikeouts to 42 walks, and went 19 to 24 on stolen bases. I never really thought that uh, that Dustin Harris's speed was that great, but he almost stole 20 bags. Uh, he hits the ball pretty hard, so he's got he's got good power. I want to say his his exit velo. It was something like 101, 102. It was like 90th percentile. So he hits the ball plenty hard. Um, but defensively, you've got questions here because of, again, the, 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 the foot speed's not great. He stole 19 to 20 bags. I think a lot of that was because of 1924. A lot of that was of being savvy on the base pass and understanding when he could run on a pitcher and then doing a very good job at reading the dirt ball. Uh, he's played third base. I don't think he's going to be able to stick there. So you're looking at first base. They put him in left field in instructional league last year, and he played some left field this season. So first base or left field. Uh, right now, the Miami Marlins have Avisel Garcia in right, Jorge Soler in left, but Soler is a great candidate to DH. That's how the Braves used him when they won the World Series. And so you could, I could see something where Harris uh, ended up as the left fielder, J.J. Blade in center, uh, Avisel Garcia in right, and, and Soler DHing, and you can hopefully get some decent power out of this. I do think that, that Harris has a good hit tool. Uh, it's a very, very short swing, very quick into the zone, uh, and he has a very good understanding of the strike zone and exactly what is and is not a strike. I've seen I've seen him take so many balls that are just on the edge but not strikes. And as long as he has a good umpire gets away with it because he has very good understanding of, of the strike zone and that's why the strikeout numbers are a little bit lower. And so I think that Dustin Harris would be a good fit uh because he can not only play first base where you had Jesus Aguilar bat 236, 286, 388 with 15 home runs at age 32. I don't think Jesus Aguilar is, is it. I don't think Jesus Aguilar is the guy. And so you've got plenty of playing times, uh, playing time, whether it's left field, whether it's first base. The last guy in this package, shortstop Thomas Segesi, isn't rated right now. 2025th rounder out of high school. Uh, he can, he feels to me, He's got an average arm. He feels like he's more of a of a utility guy than a full-time starter right now. And you, you look at where he's played, that kind of tracks. He's played second. He's played third. He's played short. He's played first. So he played all over the infield. Arm is average, you know, so third base might be a little bit stretched, but can give you a, a, a lot of different positions, kind of like a Joey Wendell, how Joey Wendell can play anywhere in the infield. Uh, but 103 games this year. In double A Frisco and 312, 361, 506, 15 home runs, 44 extra base hits, 97 strikeouts to 30 walks, and 12 of 15 on stolen bases. The thing here makes a ton of contact, uses the whole field, and as you can see, he's able to get that power into games. You know, 15 home runs, I, and granted, that was high A and double A. But 15 home runs would have tied him for the lead on the Miami Marlins in 2022. So I think this package 
is a really good package. There is risk here. You're giving up three top 10 prospects for a pitcher that you have two years of team control over. But uh, one, I think Pablo Lopez would be resignable. And then two, this would give you a guy you can put in your rotation, you can count on every fifth day for an entire season. And that's something the Rangers need. And just a minute, I want to get into some of the other options. Blue Jay fans seem particularly interested in getting Pablo Lopez. And we'll get into that right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we're back. So during the season, we saw Pablo Lopez on the trade block. The Dodgers and the Yankees were the teams that were most interested in him. I don't know what the Dodgers package would have been. Uh, From what I understand, they were prepared to ship Dalton Rushing out. I don't think Miguel Vargas would have been moved. Um, I don't think they'd have moved you know, their number one catcher, although they do have Will Smith, so they may have been able to do it. Uh, but we do know what the Yankees' proposed package was. So, and I, and from what I understand, from the reports that have come out, the Yankees were the ones that ultimately said no to this. But the proposed deal was Pablo Lopez and shortstop Miguel Rojas, we talked about that earlier, the veteran, for second baseman Gliber Torres, and, sh- and prospect shortstop Oswald Peraza. People who have watched this show or who follow us on Twitter know that uh, we thought Pablo, uh, sorry, Oswald Peraza should have been the starter in the playoffs over Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. We know that the last month of the season when they had Oswald Peraza up at the big league level, he should have been playing every day at shortstop over Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And... Uh, the only games where I felt like you were comfortable with the Yankees' defense in the playoffs were the games where either Oswald Peraza or Oswaldo Cabrera were playing short instead of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. So uh, I think that package would have worked out well for the Marlins, despite not necessarily getting um, the lefty power that they need. But they, uh, the Yankees are the ones who reportedly said no to that. Uh, I don't know what the plan would have been at short if Rojas would have been traded. I'm assuming John Birdie would have been there with Joey Wendell at second. And then you would have worked Peraza probably um, later in the season or next year up at the big league level, but maybe they were prepared to put Peraza in right away. I'm not quite sure. We saw the Nationals do that when they got C.J. Abrams. They called him up right away, although he had some major league service time when he joined the Nationals in the Juan Soto deal. Uh, the Blue Jays, I've gotten a couple different packages from Blue Jays fans about getting Pablo Lopez. So the first package was Pablo Lopez, outfielder J.J. Blade, who's been playing center. He, he looked promising in his short stint compared to a lot of other guys. Obviously, you kind of had a little bit of uh, adjustment period. You got 60 games. 167, 277, 309, five home runs, 17 extra base hits, four or five on stolen bases. The defense looked good. He didn't look completely lost at the plate. And I think J.J. Blade has the potential to turn into an average to above average first division regular. But Lopez, J.J. Blade, left-hand pitcher Jake Eater, four, catcher Alejandro Kirk, which... Fills your need at catcher. We know that the the Blue Jays have a ton of, of available catchers. 
They have Gabriel Moreno waiting to call up. They have Danny Jansen. They have Alejandro Kirk. So you can afford to move one. And they're saying, we're going to keep the prospect and Gabriel Moreno. We're going to send out Alejandro Kirk in this deal. Outfitter Lords Guriel, which I assume you're going to play Blade instead of Guriel. Uh, Guriel can play first as well. You've got some versatility there, but uh, Guriel doesn't feel like a center fielder to me. And so I worry if you take Blade out and you put Guriel in, you still don't necessarily have a center fielder. And then first baseman prospect Spencer Horwitz, uh, which gives you another option at first base. Again, Guriel can play first base as well, but it gives you options where you don't necessarily need to stick with Jesus Aguilar at first because you have people who can play first base right away in Lourdes Guriel. You have a prospect, a promising prospect to come up in Spencer Horowitz. The other Blue Jays package that we got that people seem to like was Pablo Lopez, left-hand pitcher Braxton Garrett, and utility man John Birdie for catcher Gabriel Moreno. So this time you're keeping Jansen and Alejandro Kirk and you're sending the prospect on. But the top prospect, best prospect in your system, and right-hand pitcher Yosver Zuzuleta. So it's, let's give the Marlins the catcher they need, let's give them a promising pitching prospect, and we're going to get back a pitcher who has had a little bit of Major League Service time, still has some polishing to do, a starting pitcher in Pablo Lopez, and a utility guy in the infield in John Birdie who can play second, who can play short, who is stretched but can play third and can steal a ton of bases because we saw the Blue Jays trade for Mitt Wer- uh, Whit Merrifield because they needed a source of steals. And so getting John Birdie gives you that. Uh, interesting package. I think of those two packages, I probably, I probably like the second one better because I think you'd rather keep J.J. Blade over Braxton Garrett. If you trade Braxton Garrett, you're trading from a position of strength when it comes to pitching. And then I'd like John Birdie over left-hand pitcher Jake Eater, but I think that as long as Jazz Chisholm is healthy, you have second base taken care of. Uh, you still have to figure out shortstop. This doesn't help you figure out shortstop, but um, this also takes care of the catching position, and gives you a guy with six years of team control versus a guy in Kirk who has a little bit less and seems like he might be stretched as the full day as the full the the the, the full time number one catcher. There was a trade package also from the Rays, and this was Pablo Lopez straight up for first baseman Jonathan Aranda, um, outfielder Josh Lowe, and left hand pitcher Jalen Beeks. This handles your your center field. I think this gives you the option to you could I mean, you have Garrett Cooper who can play multiple positions. He can play infield. He can play outfield. Uh, this gives you the ability to take Low, Blade, and Aguilar maybe or Cooper as your three outfielders in a defensive scenario. You can do Solaire DHing. You can have Garcia play right with Low in, in center and Blade in left. This gives you a lot of different options for how to configure your outfield. The note here was the only Rays prospects that are probably off the table as of right now. Position players, first baseman Kyle Manzardo, outfielder Brock Jones. I see that. And then pitchers, probably not Taj Bradley, 
and probably not Mason Montgomery. But outside of that, most prospects would be on the table. I think this package isn't bad. Um, I think the Marlins would be happy to get somebody who can play first base in Aranda. They'd be happy to get somebody who can play center and low. Doesn't necessarily help them a ton with the power. Aranda gives you some of that. But they still would need to figure out the power. And part of that may just be healthy seasons from Garcia and Soler. Interesting one here. Don't think it's going to happen, but just found it interesting. Was Pablo Lopez to the Cardinals for Nolan Gorman and Juan Yepes. So Nolan Gorman, obviously we talked about him in the trade, the possible trade for Seth Brown on Monday's mailbag. Uh, The common consensus here is that he's probably a little bit too valuable to move for something like just a Pablo Lopez, never mind doing him with Juan Yepes, which would give you some power. Nolan Gorman and Yepes would definitely give you power uh, in Miami. Yepes can play left, he can play right, he can play first base. So would give you an option right away. He I think he had a slugging of 447 across 75 games in the big leagues this year. Uh, hit like, was it 12 home runs? So project out to a full season would have been the home run leader for the Marlins unless Gorman d- did it. Uh, just not quite sure if, I think that price might be a little bit high for the Cardinals. But who knows because they are losing some pitching uh when it comes to Wainwright and things like that. So don't quite know what happens. Great week this week. We're talking about the World Series on tomorrow's show and how they built these teams using the farm system. So stay tuned for that. Reminder, if you have questions for the mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects.